0: Dwelling Places. Turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. And Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us the way to you. And Lord, we just desire to walk in that way, to live in that life, and to obey that truth. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts to you. We thank you for today, Lord, for what you've been doing in our hearts in this service. Lord, we thank you for the freedom. We thank you for the change. And, Lord, just continue to help us to abide in the things that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this verse, when, you, when I started reading this verse, let me ask you a question. How many of you, where, where, let me ask you, where have you heard this verse quoted the most? What kind of came to the back of your mind? What's that? Anybody? Funeral, very good. Funeral. I've done funerals in, in my lifetime use that particular verse because it's kind of comforting in my father's house or many mansions when somebody dies they're going to go to their mansion and uh, they're going to be with Jesus and uh, and even though that's a truth I don't think that's what he was trying to say here in this particular passage now why the translators use the word mansion I don't know the word in the in the Greek is monē, and it means a staying, abiding, dwelling, abode, abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, and tarry. I like how the Amplified reads uh, says. John 14, 2, he says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would not have told you, and he's going to prepare those places for us. So there's these dwelling places, and as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about our homes. You know, you look at your home, and in your home, there are different dwelling places in your house. What are some of those dwelling places? What's your favorite dwelling place in the house? And don't say bathroom, no. <laughs> What's your favorite dwelling place? Is it the kitchen? Kitchen? You know, the kitchen is, is an interesting room in the house because in Way back, I mean, when houses were first built, obviously it was kind of more of a big one-room type thing, because they just didn't have the, the the technology or the skills to make it into what it is today. So it's just kind of four walls, and kitchen was over here, living room was over here, and bedrooms were over here, and that was it. As houses began to become built more, and as a realtor, we've been in a lot of homes, and we've seen old homes and new homes, and It's kind of interesting to see the different trends and changes that have taken place. And we've shown some big homes, uh, older homes on the east side. And you're looking at this house, and it's kind of a McMansion. And you walk inside to this thing, and they got this kitchen that's probably the size of, you know, say from, from me to the wall to this wall. And there's this huge house, like 3,000 square feet, and they got this tiny little kitchen. And then you go into the dining room, and it's like from from this wall to that wall. And it's like, you know, let's balance this out a little bit. But see, the the owner of that home, they didn't cook their own meals. They had a butler. The butler cooked. So they didn't really, you know, they just wanted to make sure there was a stove in there and you know, they usually had big pantries, but the actual kitchen workspace was kind of small. But as time began to progress, all of a sudden that dining room got smaller, that kitchen got bigger. And, but because people had did certain activities in their home, they didn't want people, when people came over, they didn't necessarily want them to come through, their, through the whole house. So they had these formal living rooms, or as they called them back then, the parlor. So you could come into a person's home, and you could go to the parlor, but you weren't really inside the rest of their home. Kind of made it convenient for cleaning, right? All you had to do is clean the parlor. <laughs> Keep the parlor clean. And then they kind of carried that over into the colonial-style home. And people, it's funny when you show young people today And not necessarily even young people, um, but you show them these colonials and they go, well, why do they have a little living room here and and a family room back there? You know, what do we do in the living room? We all go in the family room because the family room is right next to the kitchen. But a lot of homes have these little formal living rooms that nobody really knows what to do. They just put white couches in there because nobody sits on them and it looks nice. (laughs) am I stepping on any toes (laughs) but then the open concept became popular get rid of the the two separate rooms, we want to have a great room where you can see the kitchen where there's an island and then you have the great room and everything's kind of open and uh, So it's kind of interesting how these rooms change as different needs change. You know, the bathroom is, I'm glad that we're not still going to the outhouse. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but even those, they've, they've, They went way, way. I mean, you can get a bathroom that's $40,000. You can have a $20,000 shower in there. It feels like you go into a car wash. You got jets shooting at you every which way. (laughs) Lights flashing, music playing. You know, you mean. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Wow. I always thought they should have like a lazy Susan in there that would just rotate. All you do is just (laughs) stand there, the jets would hit you from every angle. But each of those rooms have a specific purpose. When you're hungry, you go to the kitchen. When you need to be cleansed, refreshed, you go to the bathroom. When you need rest, you go to the bedroom. When you want to have fellowship with many people, The the basements were always dark and dungy, and all of a sudden the basements became a big focus. We need a rec room. We need the man cave. But it gave a great space to entertain, you know, for bigger get-togethers. Or when the kids got too loud, go downstairs. (laughs) Now the big thing is a home office. Everybody needs that home office. And then every so often you see the exercise room, and then there's dust on the exercise equipment, <laughs> or there's laundry hanging over it, one or the other. <laughs> but again, as people's needs change, those rooms change. Because the purpose, the, the need is different. They need certain things. So those rooms get changed. If you're a person that is into certain hobbies, you may have a hobby room. You may, I've been in rooms where they've had train sets and sewing machines and all kinds of interesting things. And it just depends on you and it depends on your need and it depends on where you're at. And it's kind of interesting how in the Father's house are many dwelling places. Like God has these places in the realm of the Spirit where you can go and dwell and a need can be met. Something could be furnished in your life. Something could be developed in your life. It allows you to operate and and, and use the gifts, the talents that God's given to you. It allows you to be strengthened. It allows you to strengthen your mind. It allows you to develop certain things in your life. Ephesians, he says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And over and over in Ephesians, he refers to that. So there's these dwelling places that God has for us, that he's prepared for us. That he knows what you need of. He knows what things you need to experience. He knows what things that you need to embrace upon. He knows what things that you need to operate in. And he has designed these dwelling places. And really, what these dwelling places are, are manifestations of the Father. It's who the Father is. And what he's prepared for us. He's got these places that he wants to bring you in. It's a place in his heart, and he wants to open that up to you. And he wants you to experience that. But he doesn't want you to just leave. It's something that he wants you to abide in, to stay in, to tarry in, to dwell in, to operate in. And so many times, you know, Like nowadays, it seems like the kitchen is more just a pass-by. You know, like we're just going to pass by, maybe stop at the refrigerator and just keep on going. Or maybe it's a place where we put our Chick-fil-A bag on the counter or our Culver's or whatever it is that we like. So many people just, you know, the the, the cooking may not necessarily be the thing they want to really do. They just want to bring it in there and get the plate and put it on there and then head over to the living room. But God, he has these rooms for us that we can dwell in them, that it's a dwelling place. Now, what's interesting about that, and as you read John chapter 14, it's interesting how the disciples, the challenge they had is everything was more in the natural. Like, where are you going? You know, what city are you going to? What town are you going to? No, I'm not going to a physical place. I'm going to the Father. Well, how do you get there? Is there a, do you take a boat? Is there a path? Is there a road? What mountain do we climb up? Is he, on, is he on Mount Zion? Do we go up to Mount Zion this time? Do we go to Jerusalem? See, they're looking at things in the natural. That's the challenge we have Sometimes. As we're trying to we're trying to get to these places through natural means and it's hard to get there it's hard to stay there if our mind is focusing on the natural and so as Jesus is talking to his disciples they're going kind of back and forth well then he, then he he says we're going I'm going to the father and then and then he says well Philip says well just show us the father and that'll be sufficient just you know pull the pull the curtain back let us see the Father right here, right now, and we're good. And Jesus said, how long have you known me? And if you've known me, you know the Father. And then he goes on to say, the works that I do, I do those because I'm in the Father. And then he goes on to say, because I'm in the Father and you believe in me, What's going to happen is the works that I do, you're going to do. Because once you are in that dwelling place that I'm in, then there's going to be a, a fruit, a manifestation. Without that manifestation, see, that manifestation, is it, it lets other people know I'm in a certain dwelling place. When you're in the kitchen and they're making sounds of of kitchen noises, pots and pans and clanging, and there's food smelling, people in the house know that you are in the kitchen. Mom's in the kitchen and she's cooking. Or dad. (laughs) Because there's something manifesting. That's the whole goal. These dwelling places, see, when Jesus fed the 5,000, they had this food that was created out of a boy's lunch, and it fed them all. And I'm sure that it probably tasted even better than the original fish and chips. I mean, it was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I've been to a few fish fries, but this is taking the top, you know? Like, this is the best meal in town. You know, when we go out to eat, or when you're looking for a place to eat, and you're not sure where to go, you're wondering if the place is good or not, and you see one place, and the parking lot is full, and you see another place, and there's only two cars in the parking lot, you kind of have a feeling that the one that's full, that's good food over there. <laughs> So, Jesus, he did something. He fed them. And they liked it. And it was good. And they said, We could get used to this. We can go here more often. And the day ended. The disciples got in a the boat. They crossed over the sea. This is in John chapter 6. They crossed over the sea. Jesus went up to pray. And then at night, he decided to take a little walk on the water. And, you know, had, there was some fun stuff that happened there. And then they got over to the other side. And the people next morning got up and thought, you know, what's for breakfast? What's Jesus serving today? And the boat was gone. The disciples were gone. They couldn't find Jesus. Where did he go? Oh, he's on the other side of the sea. So all these people, man, they're booking. They're like, oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. He's going to be good. It's going to be good. They find him. They're so excited that they're ready to make him king. They want him to be their leader. They want him to be their king. They're ready to go. And it's interesting what Jesus said to them. He could have said, like, you know, not right now. That day will come, just follow me, be my be my disciples. He could have said that, but that would have been good. Would have made sense in my mind. But he said, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but labor for the meat that endures to everlasting life. So where they were at at that time is they were looking for something that was fulfilling to the outward. It tastes good. It smelled good. Hey, we could get used to this. We're we're living in an oppressive government right now under the Roman rule, under religious oppression. This Jesus, he's great. He's healing us. He's feeding us. He's loving us. He's doing all these things. We want him to be our king. Let's all vote for Jesus. They are ready to get the the banners out and the ballots out and uh, set the vote up and here we go. (laughs) But Jesus knew in their heart that they were looking for the thing that satisfied the outward. You know, sometimes when we're coming to church and we're singing and we're worshiping and the whole experience, it can be a very... Heartfelt, fulfilling experience. You go, wow, I felt so good when I went to church today. That really touched me. That really spoke to my heart. That really encouraged me. I was feeling down. I was feeling depressed. I was struggling, but, but now I feel much better. You know, and then by and you go back to the job and back to the real world and and you know, one thing after another, and you're like, man, I gotta go to church because I need something to pick me up. I need something to make me feel good again. And that's God's way of loving us and and drawing us to him. But we can live in that cycle and never really change. Because there's there's an enduring substance in all of this a substance of entering into something to where you can abide in it, where you can dwell in it, where you can live in it, where it changes you, where it begins to manifest through you. It oozes out of your pores. It oozes out of your of who you are as a human being. It starts to manifest itself through you. And so there's these dwelling places, and we need to tap into those. And we are tapping into them, but I just want to encourage you that there is so many places available for us. Jesus said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you are the branch. You, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You got to abide in me. You know what's interesting with a branch that begins to wither up on the tree. There's a vein inside that branch and that vein draws sap from the, the, the main trunk, if you will, of that plant or that tree, and it's drawing that sap to its leaves, and the leaves blossom, and then if there's flowers or fruit, whatever, those begin to blossom. Well, then you've got these parasites that like to bore holes into those branches, and when they get in there, they, they leave bacteria, they leave disease, they leave different things. And, those, and that stuff begins to clog up the artery, hindering the flow of that sap to the branch. And as it hinders the flow of that, that branch starts to dry up. And then you get one of these wonderful windstorms, and then you find all the branches that uh, dried up on your lawn. And then you pick them up, and then you're like me. That's great kindling. I, make a, I have a kindling bucket and put them all in there. So when I'm going to have a fire, I just go grab my kindling. My neighbor had them all over his yard, and my granddaughters were over, and we had so much fun. I said, come on, girls, we've got to get all these kindling sticks. We cleaned his whole yard for him. He even grabbed the pine cones while we were at it. And, uh, but he said that's what happens. They wither up, and they're burned. It's not that God is going, okay, I'm going to throw you in the fire. But there's a process of this disconnect that is separating. You know, Paul said that the people of this world, they're alienated from God because of thoughts in their mind. What does the devil try to do to get somebody to disconnect. He tries to put a thought in their mind. He tries to get them to see something in the wrong way. He tries to put a negative impression upon them or an image that now is beginning to affect their ability to be able to receive and believe and now they're withdrawing because of that impact of that negative thing in their mind. And then what happens is as as they begin to draw back, they become alienated. Certain doors begin to, to close. Certain dwelling places begin to close. And they start to become a vacuum for something else. Other things come in there, begin to affect that thing, begin to direct it and distract it and cause it to go in another direction. And so our minds are so important to this. But he has these dwelling places for us to go to. And in order for us to get to these dwelling places, and this is what's so cool because there's a theme that the Lord has and he's been sharing with the church here, and you can see it through these messages. Um, Pastor Jen was talking about consecration. And when you look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says... Paul is talking to the Romans and he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. In other words, out of God's wanting to help you, wanting to bless you, wanting to work in you, wanting to change you, wanting to get you where you need to go, wanting to be patient with you and help you in every aspect, I'm beseeching you out of the mercies of God, just offer your body as a living sacrifice unto God. As we start our day, as we say, Lord, I just give you my, I give you myself today. As we're going places, as we're doing things, Lord, I give you myself today. I just offer myself to you today. See, where do we get in trouble? When we say, ah, oh, Jesus, we just walk past them like the kitchen. You know, we're hungry. Ah, oh, we're going to walk past the kitchen. I'm getting in the car. I'm going to go to get some greasy food. You know, how many of you have been throwing out bags of lettuce? <laughs> that stuff goes bad quick, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, you, you go, why didn't I eat that? Well, you walked past it. You ignored it. It would have been good. Put a little ranch dressing on there. <laughs> there you go. But so a lot of times these these dwelling places are right there, but we quickly pass them by. We're in a hurry. We got to do this, we gotta do that. And we miss out on the substance that's in there. But if we offer ourselves, if we take the time to say, Lord, I'm just gonna give myself to you today. I know I'm not perfect, Lord. I know where I struggle, and you know where I struggle. You know where I struggle more than I know where I struggle. You know that I'm going to struggle with something before I even know I'm going to struggle with something. But you love me anyways. And you're committed to helping me. So I'm just going to offer myself to you today. I'm just going to give myself to you today, Lord. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your child. You chose me. I belong to you. So I give myself to you today. And he says, just offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. And then he says don't be conformed with this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word transformed is the word metamorphosis. It's like that caterpillar that goes into that cocoon and he goes through a metamorphosis. And he begins to change inside that cocoon. So he abide he abode in there. And how do we know that he abode in there? How do we know that this caterpillar actually took the time and abode in the cocoon? He changed. He flew. No more crawling. How many of you are ready to fly? (laughs) How many of you want to stay crawling? (laughs) So our minds have a lot to do with this. You know, it's interesting, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul said, Finally, my brethren, think on these things. And he gives a list of stuff. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, things that are um, worthy of praise, honorable, what is right, pure, wholesome, lovely brings peace, think on those things. And then whatever you've seen or heard from me, think on those things, do those things, and then the God of peace will be with you. Now it's interesting because he's talking to people that already have the God of peace. He's not talking to an unbeliever. He's talking to Christians who are following God. But he's saying, if you do these things, the God of peace will be with you. So that tells me there's more. There's more in, this, in the realm of the Spirit. And there was something that he was trying to get them to tap into. See, what kind of thought patterns are you allowing? So let's just say you're upset. You deal with anger. You're getting angry. Something happened. You're frustrated. Now you can get into a thought pattern. This person shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have said this. This shouldn't have happened to me. Why did this happen to me? You are now entering into a room. You are now dwelling in the anger room. You can sit in that anger room for as long as you want, but you're not going to be happy. The God of peace isn't isn't in the anger room. And a lot of things can happen in there that can take you in other rooms that you don't want to go. You can go in the bitterness room after the anger room. You can go into the depression room. That's right next to the anger room or the bitter room. What did Jesus say? He said, you know, I have spoken to these things to you that you may have my joy and that your joy Maybe full. That's another room. How many of you like to go in the joy room? Well, the joy room is a room that you have to open the door to. It's there. So when you go through things, what does he say? Count it all. Okay, what does that mean? I'm opening up the joy room. I'm going to go into the joy room. I'm tempted to go into the anger room and dwell in there. But I know where that's going to go. I don't want to stay in there because that's just going to make everything miserable. So I'm going to go over here and get into this joy room. But a lot of times it's the thought patterns in our minds. You find yourself getting into a thought pattern, an anger, a lust, a... a, Depression, a fear, a worry, an anxiety. Just picture yourself, you're going into this room. it's It's a devil's room. And as long as you want to have those thoughts, you're in that room. But there's another room, a room full of peace, a room full of wisdom. You know it's interesting when they were in Isaiah eleven, Verse 2, it was talking about Jesus and he was going to be the root of Jesse and so forth. And it said that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Revelations talks about the seven spirits of God. See, he was dwelling in the fullness of who the Father was. There is these rooms of fullness where where we can go into, where the spirit of might can come upon us, where the spirit of counsel can come upon us, the spirit of understanding can come upon us, the spirit of the fear of the Lord can come upon us. And all these things, what are they doing? They're bringing us to the Father, because they are the Father. His heart. But the most important room, and this is the room that is going to supersede and make every other room easily accessible, and that's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Again, Paul is not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who love the Lord and really have a pretty good handle on some spiritual things. So he's kind of unloading a lot of good heavy stuff in Ephesians. He's talking to them as spiritually uh, mature, understandable people. And in Ephesians 3, verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I mean, they're already born again. But there is a fullness. A measure of, of more of stability and strength. That he wants us to get into. And it comes through this spirit of might. Which we saw in Isaiah 11. The spirit of might would come upon him. So there's a spirit of might. And when we get into the spirit of might. It takes us into this room. Where it manifests the fullness of Jesus to us. In a way that we may not have experienced already. It takes the character and the embodiment of who Christ is. And it releases to us that in a greater measure, the spirit of might. And that's what I pray. I pray, God, just give us the spirit of might. Because the spirit of might takes you through the barriers. It takes you through the walls. You have different things that are coming against you, different things that stand in the way and they are trying to keep you. Every time you go this far, it stops in the way and it holds you back because you need something that will get you right through there. The spirit of might. You've been praying for healing, praying for something to happen, change, and you're so close, you've you've gone so far, you've exercised your faith so far, but you need that thing that's going to just take you and break you through that barrier, that wall, that hindrance. It's the spirit of might. Because he says when it comes, it manifests Christ in a greater measure to you. But then he goes on to say, In verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled to the fullness of God. the whole key to our walk with the lord is our love walk that everything that we do if we're in love with him and not and and receiving his love see he said that they would know and it's interesting that he gave dimensions of a room the breadth the height the length the depth Like, this is a dwelling place. This is actually a dimension that we can actually go into and dwell in. And if you can get into this room and you can dwell in this room, you are going to experience a fullness of God that maybe you haven't been able to experience. We like to quote the last verses in this chapter Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, imagine, or think according to the power that worketh in us. We like to skip the first part and go right to that part and claim that part. But that part is coming out of the room of his love. And we're saying, well, why isn't it working? Why isn't my faith working as much as it should or could? Well, what room are you in? Are you in the room where you have some anger, some hatred, some bitterness, some unforgiveness? Because those things hinder. They're like parasites on your vine. And they're they're grabbing at the life, the sap that's coming from the tree to bring fruit. That's why Jesus said, if you just abide in me and I abide in you. I mean, when, when you read this verse, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I read this verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will and you got it. That is, that's like a blank check. Like that is like answered every prayer prayed. But it doesn't always work that way. And I'm like, why? Well, abide in me. My words abide in you. Where are you not abiding? Wherever you're not abiding, that's where the hindrance is. Where are you dwelling? What room are you in? If you're in in the bedroom and you have to go to the bathroom, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) You need to get out of that room and get to the other room. You're hungry and you're sitting in the bathroom, you're in the wrong room. you got to get in the kitchen, because that's the room that will feed you. That's the room that will take care of you, that need. So a lot of times we've got to abide and dwell in those places. And if we can get more into the love of God, a lot of things that we struggle with, a lot of attitude problems, a lot of motivational problems, a lot of anxiety depression, all of those things that are so prevalent in our society that people deal with and struggle with. If we can go into the love of God room and know the love of God. Paul said, I pray that you may be able to comprehend that somehow in in your walk with the Lord, in your relationship with the Lord, that you're going to be able to get a comprehension, to enter into this room and know exactly what it is and what it's about. When you're in that room, nothing, 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 can bother you, can take you out. It doesn't hinder you because you're in this love. You know, how many of you ever heard that when Jesus said, you have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you? How many of you have ever read that verse? How many of you wondered why, why did this hurt, why did that hurt, why did, you know, where did that hurt come from? Well, it's in that love room. See, he was in the love room when he said that. I'm in this room, and you might be in this room and going, boy, this room smells like good food, and somebody's in the bathroom, and they're like, no, this room doesn't smell like good food in here. <laughs> they're in the wrong room. But if you're, <laughs> if you're in the kitchen, and you're talking about how great this room is, if somebody's not in there with you, they have no clue what you're saying because they're not in the same room. So Jesus was in that room. Paul was in that room. When you think about what Paul went through, I mean, I try to imagine living a life like Paul, and honestly, in my mind, I haven't been able to picture that. How could he go through what he did and have such a good attitude, and get up the next day and do it all over again, knowing that bonds and afflictions are waiting for him in every town he goes to. I'd be like, okay, I'm done going to towns. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the town that likes me. But see, he was in the love room. He dwelt in that love room. When Nikki Cruz was, um, who was the guy? Um, Nikki Cruz and the minister was that David Wilkerson, right? Yeah. And you know, Nikki Cruz was a gangster, and he was just harassing him and fighting against him, and and um, he had him cornered. He had a switchblade right at him. He says, "I'm going to cut you up into little pieces." And David Wilkerson said. Go ahead, because every one of those pieces is going to cry out, I love you. He was in the love room. You get in the, If we can get into that love room, we're going to be a lot nicer. <laughs> and the people that aren't real nice, it's not going to bother us as much. It's not going to bother us at all. Uh, they might even try to get under your skin a little bit more. But you just get more comfortable in the love room. Several years ago, I was dealing with a health issue in my body and I didn't know what it was and I just had a good friend pass away with cancer and I didn't want to go down that road because I, I saw how he went through the whole chemo and everything but, man, I had some pains in my gut and I didn't know what they were. But I just said, God, I'm gonna I'm going to abide in healing and I spent hours and hours just reading healing verses and looking at and saying God what is your will in this area what is your mind in this area what is the truth in this area and he said with long life I will satisfy you and give you health he says I'll take sickness away from the midst of you so if sickness comes you're not exempt from it it'll try to come against you but he says he'll take it away from you And so this was something that was going on for a good period of time, a good year, of battling this. I remember one day I was out doing appointments, and I was in so much pain that I couldn't even, it was hard to walk. And I'm like, do I go to the hospital? Is this the day where I finally go and say, check me out? I went to Starbucks. (laughs) That'll do it. It wasn't the coffee. I got it. I got on a corner table, got with God, got in Psalms 91, and I just started falling in love with Jesus, and I just set my love upon him, and I just, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I just love you because you're so good, you're so faithful, you're so kind, and I'm just trusting in you, and I'm not letting this get the best of me because you're so good, And me and the Lord just had a nice time there, and that pain went away, and I went back to work. Praise God. And in Psalms 91, verses 9 and 10, it says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague Come nigh your dwelling. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that you have dwelling places for us. Lord, that you have places for us to go, to dwell, to, to just abide in and to tarry and, and to operate in, Lord. Lord, those places are just full of you, Lord. And they're releasing life and, and strength and, and power and your nature into us changing us, changing our very nature. As we are in these places, Lord, we behold your face and we become changed into the very same image. And so, Lord, we thank you for these places. And I pray you just continue to lead us and guide us into the dwelling places that you have for us in your house, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're in your house and it's full of dwelling places for us to change, to grow, and to be ministered to. So, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blockages are being broken right now in the name of Jesus.